the Giants began the season 0-2, while the Saints were 0-3. Both have only lost once since. This Sunday, they go head-to-head at the Superdome. Touchdown! Coverage begins at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio. You're listening to Baseline from 538. You're listening to Baseline from 538. You're listening to Baseline from 538. You're listening to Baseline from 548. 538. Damn it! 538. This is Carl Bialik from 538. Welcome to the final episode of Baseline, our mini-podcast coming to you live from the U.S. Open in Flushing. Today we're previewing the women's and men's finals. We're going to start today with our last Serena stat of the tournament. In honor of Serena Williams, whose quest for a calendar year Grand Slam fell just two matches short. She lost on Friday in a three-set thriller against Roberta Vinci, who is ranked number 43 in the world. So our Serena stat today is about the woman who beat Serena. Vinci had played 30 matches before Friday against top five opponents. Earlier today, I walked the concourse of Arthur Ashe Stadium with our producer, Joel Werner, to ask fans how many of those 30 matches Vinci won. None. That's a good guess. Two. Two, Two out right. of 30 until today. What, what, what do you think happened today? How was she able to reverse that and beat the world number one? I don't know, but I just loved what she said at the end. She's like, just put the ball on the court and run. That was my favorite quote. So I don't know what she did, but she did something right. Well, while it was happening, did you think she was going to pull it off or that Serena was going to come back? I don't know like when we had the third set I think and it went like 2-2 or 3-3 and I thought yeah there might just be a chance and I don't know it just seems Serena and she is I mean beyond great but she has a lot of emotions she's really intense so I, I wonder if that just gotten in her way I don't know it was heartbreaking I guess it's just natural and it just happens and uh her nurse got the best of her after all this time, but she was courageous and she played a wonderful game and she'll be back next year to do it all over again. So even after the match, Vinci herself didn't believe the result. She said, yesterday I called my travel agency to say, okay, book me a flight because you know, and then now I have my final tomorrow. So it's incredible. Yeah. Joining me today, our guest is Brian Phillips from Grantland. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. Hi, Brian. So I think we were both quite surprised by Serena's loss. We, we both wrote quick reaction pieces about it. You wrote with your Grantland hat on about how you felt as a fan with the loss, and I wrote with my 538 hat on about where it fits statistically with the biggest upsets. But I'm going to ask you to put your 538 hat on, which I haven't given you yet, but maybe after the show, if you earn it. You, you were absolutely stunned, clearly, in the article, but we've seen Serena lose some matches that we didn't expect before she went into them. Rosano at the French Open in 2012, Cornet and Muguruza last year at Grand Slams. So shouldn't we expect now and then that she's going to lose a match we don't expect? Well, of course, always in sports we should expect that people will lose matches we don't expect them to lose. I think uh, in the case of Serena, it's so easy to invest in her as a kind of force of destiny, a kind of force of nature. She's going for the calendar Grand Slam in her fifth consecutive major and uh, share of the all-time women's singles major record. I, I just think the narrative was so overpowering, at least for me at this point, and to see her do it here in New York, I don't know if I was emotionally capable of believing Serena would lose this match today in advance. 
was it hard at the same time that you were processing the match to write about it or is writing it help process it yeah well i mean uh to put my 538 hat on i think that my uh my tears per minute average was quite high uh, going into writing that that piece. Uh, I was trying to figure out how to put into words a kind of inarticulable disbelief, at least for me at that moment. And I was very sad for Serena. So, yeah, it was hard to write about. After the match, Vinci beat Serena again in the press room in the category of expressing disappointment on behalf of Serena right. about the result. So Serena said, I'm not, I don't want to talk about how disappointing it is for me. If you have any other questions, I'm open for that. Well, Vinci said... I'm really happy, but of course I'm a little bit really sad for Serena because uh, she's, a, she's an incredible player, number one, uh, almost career Grand Slam, all the Grand Slams. So now Serena is back where she was coming into this tournament in terms of chasing history you talked about being one shy of Steffi Graf for the open era record she's three shy of Margaret Court for the all-time record of 24 Grand Slam titles she's obviously one slam behind in, in chasing them where we thought she was going to be but do you think she's set back further than that because of this loss? Do you think that she's less likely now to get those records? I think she'll still get the records I think she'll certainly catch Steffi Graf I think that the uh the real prize today was the calendar Grand Slam, maybe, and not the lifetime records, because I don't think that will happen again for her, at least it seems extremely unlikely. I think Serena will win one more Grand Slam and tie Steffi Graf. Uh, Margaret Court, I don't know if I ever thought she was probably going to win three more Grand Slams, because she was ever probably going to win three Grand Slams. But I don't think it seems spectacularly less likely to me now than it did before. You mentioned before how overpowering the narrative was, and this often felt during these two weeks kind of like a coronation for Serena, like... We, this was going to be the culmination of celebrating her and all she's done. And at times it was also a conversation about race and sex and, and all the things that get wrapped up in talking about Serena Williams. But there were also 127 other women in the draw who respect her but wanted to beat her and wanted to win the title. Is there something compelling about the two who are left now? Or is today's final now kind of an afterthought? I think it will be an afterthought for most tennis fans, just in purely pragmatic terms, but I also think it's quite compelling. I think, jumping back to Vinci's reaction after the match, I think Vinci did America a great service and that she helps reconstruct us all psychically after uh, watching Serena fall apart. Vinci was wonderful, she was charming, she was sympathetic. I mean, she was literally apologetic in that she literally apologized, but she, she sort of owned her win at the same time. I, I think she'll probably lose the match tomorrow, but I think it will be exciting to tune in and, and watch her after after seeing her beat Serena. One of the great things about going back and looking at the press conferences from earlier on Friday was to see what the first two semifinalists said about Serena playing in the final. Simona Halep, who had just lost the first semi to Flavia Panetta, basically talked as if Serena was already in the final. She said, Serena is strong, but uh, Panetta today played really well, so will be will be a good match. And then Panetta came into press and Vinci, her fellow Italian player, she had just lost the first set 6-2 and she was asked about Serena being the final and she said, I mean, uh, you never know, it's still they're still fighting and they're still playing. So So it does feel like a very happy occasion for them in that they've never been in a final either of them in a grand slam. They're both 30 something were given pretty much no chance at the start of the tournament. Do you think whoever wins this final is going to be seen once they retire kind of like a Francesca Schiavone or Marion Bartoli as like a one-off Grand Slam winner, or do you think this could be the start of something else for them? 
Well, I think I think players win Grand Slams at older and older ages these days. But yeah, I think this will be it for either of them. I really do. I think that if Vinci wins, she might be remembered as a particularly special one-off Grand Slam winner because defeating Serena and doing it in such a likable way is just a very memorable thing to do. I can't see either of them going on a, a sort of Vavrinka-like late career tear and crashing the top five of the rankings at this point. I think we both expect Vinci to lose, although I don't expect anything with much certainty, especially after the Serena loss. But she seems especially likely to lose because when I look back at the biggest upsets after Serena, Vinci, in Grand Slam women's history in the later rounds of slams, most of the time, nearly all the time, the one who pulled off the upset lost her next match. Now, in some sense, that's because if you pulled off one of the biggest upsets, that means you weren't that high-ranked a player. You're probably going to play another high-ranked player. You're probably going to lose. But we also saw earlier this tournament, Panetta's boyfriend, Fabio Fanini, upset Nadal and then lost his next match pretty easily. Is there some kind of letdown of pulling off a big upset like that, or is it just that it's hard to have lightning strike twice in a row? Well, I think it's probably both. I mean, I think Vinci saw everything go right for her today that could possibly go right for her. Serena was nervous. Serena was not playing her game. Vinci, you know, withstood test after test after test, and I think built confidence throughout the match so that by the third set, at the moment when Serena's opponents normally are panicked and intimidated, Vinci was kind of clinically looking across the net at Serena's emotional celebrations after winning points and thinking, no, I've got her, I've got her. She's the one who's cracking. I don't know if things can possibly go that well for Vinci again. I don't know how she's feeling now, but I think that if I were in her shoes, I would be overwhelmed with emotion today and probably have a hard time sleeping tonight. I I don't know. Uh, It does seem to me like it will be a harder challenge for Vinci to come back from the, the semifinals than for Panetta. You're listening to Baseline from 538. All right, we're going to move on to the men's final, which is on Sunday. And it's going to be between number one, Novak Djokovic, and number two, Roger Federer. And in honor of their final, today's significant digit will be about their rivalry. On Sunday, they're going to play each other for the 42nd time. And that is the most meetings for any two players in the Open era, behind only Nadal and Djokovic at 44. So Federer leads their rivalry, 21-20. to 20. They played just at the last tournament, Cincinnati, in the final, and Federer straight-setted Djokovic, and he wasn't broken once. What do you think is going to happen in their matchup on Sunday? I wish I knew. I mean, Federer said uh, in his press conference after the win against Stan... I think it's just a straight shootout, you know, and I think that's the cool thing about our rivalry. It's very athletic. Um, we both can handle each other's whatever we present to one another, and uh, um, I've enjoyed our matches. It's very even. It's really hard to predict, obviously, who will be on that day. I think Federer is playing inspired tennis right now by the standards of, of his late career, which really means by anyone's standards. But Djokovic is also playing some of the best tennis we've ever seen a human being play in the history of the world. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's tough to predict. I like Djokovic. Uh, I hope Federer will win, I think, but we'll see. So I've written before that their rivalry is the greatest in modern men's tennis history, and certainly today. What do you think? I think there's a case to be made for all of the great rivalries in modern men's tennis. I I think, personally, I really like Djokovic and Nadal. I know that's not the most poetic answer, maybe, but the way those guys push each other just uh, brings something out in me. 
Federer Nadal is obviously uh, rivalry with a sort of folkloric resonance that I, I think nothing that happens between Djokovic and Federer can ever match. But yeah, Djokovic and Federer played sensational matches. I'm really excited to watch them. So they play sensational matches against each other. Today they played sensational matches against opponents who weren't able to play so sensationally. And each match was over in about 90 minutes, straight sets, really never felt in doubt. Did you get any enjoyment out of watching matches like that? Is there any appeal in seeing the two best players at their best, even when there isn't much coming from the other side of the net? Yeah, I do think there's there's pleasure in watching a tennis blowout, particularly when you're watching players who are so extraordinarily good. I think with Federer in particular, he's a player who really shows his best tennis when he's killing someone. I mean, uh, Djokovic, Nadal, Murray, these guys tend to kind of pull each other's best from each other when they're playing in tight matches but Federer kind of likes these sort of exhibition style matches where he can just like rush the net when he feels like it and and hit like skippy overhand smashes watching Djokovic Chilich was a little less enjoyable to me but Djokovic is such a force right now that I don't know seeing that force unencumbered is still pretty awesome so because the matches were so fast I'd say their press conferences took almost as long afterwards so I wanted to play some of their comments after these very fast ones Sided semifinals. So Vavrinka said about Roger. Seven better than I never see him serve. But for me tonight, he's getting more on girl, so it's it's more tough to to really serve and to to make something from. And Roger said. Uh, but now that I've been able to do it also against Stan, definitely gives me confidence uh, confidence that maybe I can also do it against Novak this way. And then Djokovic was just as impressive as Federer, maybe more. And in his typical, very polished and political kind of speech in press conferences he said so I'm, I'm very encouraged with the with the game that i had today and uh, hopefully i can maintain that level for the final and then chilich who's now 0-14 against djokovic i mean not much new to say about novak novak's playing really good this season so you know um, had played great this tournament and yeah played also great today when they're playing that well are they sending messages to each other sending message to their finals opponent and does it matter in terms of how well they're going to do in the next round in terms of any sort of intimidation factor can you intimidate an all-time great I think Federer and Djokovic are essentially unintimidatable at this point. I, I do think they're sending signals to each other in, in the way that they're playing, but I think the signals mostly will be unheeded. I mean, I think they know what they're going to, to face in each other, and they know they each know how well the other is playing. Federer's first serve in this match was terrific. Federer's backhand has been terrific this entire tournament. Djokovic is just doing everything well in his Djokovician way. I don't know if how they played in the semifinal will carry over into how they play in the final, but if it does, it's going to be really good match. Any particular part of their matchup, any particular play, like a shot to another shot or, or a certain part of their matchup that you find really compelling to watch? This is an irresistible opening to talk about Sabre, right? I think we're all hoping to see more of Federer's sneak attack. I was talking to some other people about this during the Vavrinka match tonight. He's starting to actually modulate the sneak attack, kind of come in halfway on second serves. We were talking about calling this the dagger. D-A-G-R, I don't know what that would stand for yet. We'll, we'll backronym. We'll, right, yeah, a little backronym. More practically, I think Federer has to serve well to beat Djokovic. I think there's more pressure on Federer's game than on Djokovic's game just because Djokovic is doing everything solidly all year. Um, I think Federer has to serve well and has to keep not shanking backhands. Assuming that happens, it could be a real matchup. Do you buy into this idea he's playing as well as he's ever played? 
Federer's career has lasted so long at this point, it's kind of hard for me to answer that uh, off the top of my head. He's playing really good tennis. Is he playing as well as he played in 2006? I have no idea. His game seems very different in a lot of ways. I would have said before the match tonight that it was easy to overrate Federer's play after the first few rounds of a major in which he played, you know, the Kohlschreibers and Isners, but not the Vavrinkas. But I wasn't expecting him to do in the semifinal what he did against Stan. So, uh, yeah, he's playing really well. So we wrap every episode, and we'll wrap the final episode the same way, with our favorite moment from the last couple of days of the tournament. So what stood out to you, something you've seen or heard at the tournament? Federer closed out the second set against Vavrinka by winning 16 of 17 points. Somewhere in that stretch, I, I think it was in that 16, it might have been a little before in the second set, he hit an overhead shot falling backwards that was absolutely unreturnable and just a just a joyous tennis shot. That stretch, seeing Federer play as he's capable of playing uh, against a really good opponent was a special thing for me. Well, I had a special moment from earlier Friday, and it was with a player who we don't normally associate with amazing highlights like we do with Federer, but Roberta Vinci had her moments in that Williams match, and this was uh, three all. Williams was serving, third set. She had game point and you kind of get the sense if she holds that game she'll break Vinci in the next game and she'll be in the final and they have a great rally all over the court Williams seems ahead in the rally Vinci turns it around hits a slice approach puts away a forehand volley Williams is trying to chase the volley and before the ball is even bounced twice Vinci's cupping her hand to her ear and exhorting the crowd (laughs) to support her and it was a great moment of kind of reminding the crowd reminding the narrative reminding everyone there are two players in this match they're both trying to win and one of them is playing spectacularly and she talked about it afterwards in the press conference she said I won a great point and of course all the crowd was for her and I say come on one time for me well thank you so much for joining us Brian thank you for having me you've been our honored guest on the final episode of Baseline. Be sure to check out our ongoing tennis coverage at 538.com, grantland.com, and ESPN.com. Those of you listening to the Grantland Sports Feed, be sure to subscribe to Hot Takedown so you don't miss future episodes of 538 Sports Podcasts. Just search 538 in the iTunes store. And if you're coming from 538's podcast, be sure to look for Grantland's podcast in iTunes. You can email us at podcasts at 538.com with any questions. Thanks for listening and enjoy the finals.